What's up, everyone? This is Goldilocks, former TNA backstage interviewer, manager, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line podcast. Thanks for being here. TNA Wrestling Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 144 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Collin Jr. And with me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming off of TNA's second monthly pay-per-view known as Turning Point 2004, where on that show, quite a few things happened, which included in the main event the official breakup of triple x christopher daniels and ilk skipper losing a steel cage match against america's most wanted where the losing team would then be forced to split up forever so triple x no longer exists also on that show randy savage pinned the nwa world champion jeff jarrett in a six-man tag where Savage teamed up with AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy to defeat Jarrett, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. Now, as uh, Dallas has noted already, we never see Randy Savage ever again. Uh, and don't you worry about it, because between today and our next episode, we're already going to be talking about it. So it's not really even that big of a, a spoiler when we talk about it. Right. So uh, I mean, Randy, Savage, Randy Savage is a uh, pin over Jeff Jarrett. Well, essentially amount to absolutely nothing uh diamond dallas page defeated raven in his return match at least on a national level um conclude well and i guess eric watts got involved in that as well yes he did so who knows what eric watts is up to monty brown defeated abyss in a serengeti serengeti survival match when he put him onto thumbtacks which was a way to win that. We have new tag team champions. Team Canada, Eric Young and Bobby Roode defeated Three Life Crew, BG James and Ron Killings to win those titles. And in arguably the, a match that was the most heavily promoted, the TNA X Division champion, Petey Williams, successfully retained against Chris Sabin. Uh, there were a couple of other matches, but those were... Those matches were pretty much filler, so I'm not going to really point those out unless we absolutely have to. No, and and um, we're I'm going to go through some breakdowns that uh, Meltzer does of the show as well. So we'll I'll mention those at least briefly because um, his opinion on on the show he actually breaks it down pretty good. So yeah, we're coming out of Turning Point. Our next pay per view uh, looks to be one about six weeks away. Final resolution on January 16th, which will also be taking place in Orlando, Florida. So we've got, uh, I believe this is the longest amount of time. Yeah, obviously Victory Road uh, being the first had like nine weeks or whatever. Right. So we have six weeks of time. Uh, There was only one, three weeks between Victory Road and... Turning point or no four, 
Excuse me. Yeah, there's four. Yep. Four weeks between those. So we have uh, a little bit more time to see what we could maybe put together for the first pay per view in 2005. Right. And this is the la- this is the last big chunk of time, this long at least, until like March, April. Right. of 2005 so we're gonna be we're gonna be pumping these uh pay-per-views out for a little while uh and then after there's a, even some coming up i mean just scrolling on cage match where we have two episodes impact and another pay-per-view so it's just like shit's about to get pretty wild in 2005 for sure it's gonna be it's gonna be good shit man uh I'm looking. I'm looking forward to get getting into uh, 2005. Oh yeah, me me too. Absolutely. I really can't wait. And really, Turning Point was our last, like, of course, big stop before the end of the year. We have a. F- I think there's, if I'm remembering, I think we have like four episodes of Impact through the rest of this year, 2004. We'll be getting you guys a, a year in review episode at some point before the end of the year as well. And then we're gonna be kickstarting 2005, man. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, like really crazy. Yeah, um, I, I think a lot for me in terms of 2005. Uh, you know, 2004 had a lot going on, especially in terms of getting onto Fox Sports Net. Right. But if you thought a lot happens in 2004, uh, 2005 is arguably the year in which TNA really kind of explodes in terms of popularity exposure um their tv spot is significantly better uh and that would continue to grow into 2006 2007 whatever so 2005 is definitely the no pun intended turning point (laughs) for tna's existence for the next decade yeah, well, I, for one, cannot freaking wait for that because it's going to be so good. Uh, but we do got a couple things to cover and get through before that. And uh, I think it's going to still be enjoyable. So it's not like we're, like, dying here. We're in, like, 2002. It was, like, kind of rough to, like, okay, let's go. Let's get moving. Uh, so uh, let's dive right into it, man. We got a lot to cover because of what happened um, on this past show with Turning Point. Um. And then uh, I'll just say for, forewarning right now, and we'll be talking about it more, uh, because as of last, the last two impacts started the double tapings. So the episode that we are watching right now on December 10th and the December 17th episode were both filmed on December 7th, so just two days after Turning Point. Uh, that being said, sometimes notes may be a little more intertwined, I'm going to try not to slip up a little bit, but I also don't generally look too much ahead because I don't like to spoil things that are like surprises and stuff. So, you know, if a slip comes out that happens to be on the next episode or whatever, my apologies. I tried my best, but uh, just that's my that's my warning uh, so that no one gets angry at me. Because I know Bob, when we log off, sometimes he threatens me. I'm just saying. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, we have the return of the thumbs up, thumbs down, and thumbs in the middle, and of course the best and the worst match poll because uh, unfortunately there was not that available for Victory Road, which is pretty disappointing. Um, unless it's buried somewhere really weird uh, in their archive, but I did not see it. 
but it's back. Uh, and so me and Bob both gave the show a thumbs up. It was a, I thought, very good uh, pay-per-view. And so, Bob, do you think that the readers of The Observer agreed with us on that? Or were they not as kind? No, I'm going to say they agreed. Yeah, it was pretty big. Uh, 92.1% gave it a thumbs up. No one, 0%, gave it a thumbs down. And 7.9% gave it in the middle. And now Bob wondering, okay, is it like 30 people? No, Bob, actually, it's quite a bit more. 129 people voted thumbs up and 11 uh, in the middle. So wow. uh, a pretty, comparatively, pretty freaking big number of people uh, voting on this, which, as Dave noted before, sometimes that correlated with how many people actually ended up buying the show or watching it. I mean, right. like statistically, like if there was a lot who voted, a lot probably bought it. Right. So does that that's got to be like the highest response I think ever. So. Like even with like the weeklies that would usually like at most get like 50. Yeah, I feel like this has got to be the highest, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, do I really got to even have a guess on the best match of the show? It's obviously the cage. It's cage match. Second place was the X Division title match, which I also said was like okay. phenomenal. So. Now, the worst match on the show, I think, is also, I mean, kind of obvious because it was kind of a letdown. And that was the uh, the Kings of Wrestling against Styles, Hardy, and Randy Savage. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking of that. Really? Well, see, to me, it was just, it was so much of a letdown. I understand why people were like, yo, that was the worst. I No, I mean, I could see, I could see why. I thought I thought it was going to be Johnny be bad bad county against the NYC. That's second, and they're actually right. really close. So number wise for those matches, uh, sixty one people voted that the Kings of Wrestling and you know the six man uh, was the worst. Fifty nine said that the Gilberti and Swinger versus um, Pat Kenny and Johnny be bad. So it's really close vote wise. Do we think that the disappointment in the six man tag was? how AJ and Hardy were kind of treated more so than the finish. Now we did point that out during the show. Um, Cause they were just getting beat down the entire time. I feel like it's got to play a part in it, especially for the people who are voting on this. I feel like if I'm, you know, that, that kind of audience, but at the same time, the hype up for Randy Savage to then be apparently kidnapped and then, like, do a run-in and do the shittiest, like, roll-up ever after, like, a punch. I mean, it was just, just so bad. <clears throat> yeah, that, uh, the punch and then the sit-down. I I thought he did, like, a shitty roll-up. Yeah, the sit-down like, sit thing, yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was, like, a schoolboy. Like, he did, like, but, no. It was even... It was even worse. Worse. It was like a sunset flip, and then he just like sat down. He kind of sat down on him. He more or less like kneeled. Yeah, yeah, it was, dude. Yeah, he was. I don't even think he hooked a leg. I think he just like pulled. He was like holding his hair, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, dude, it, it was like not good. It was not a good look, uh, unfortunately. And listen, I know he got his limitations at this point in time, but I don't know. Don't don't come back then. I, I guess I don't know. Right, it's weird. Um, okay, let's dive right into this. Um, we have quite a bit of notes about Turning Point, and then we have a quick breakdown where I only pull out a couple highlights for the stuff. But I'm just kind of going to go down this list. Um, 
there's a lot of really, really uh, good insight and information in this. So uh, Dave notes here that with much of the talent recognizing the straits the company is really in, the TNA promotion pulled off one of the best pay-per-view shows in wrestling history on December 5th in Orlando. Paced by an off-the-charts cage match with America's Most Wanted versus Triple X, with the losing team having to break up. The show featured a spot that I pray is never done again, but will perhaps be the most memorable spot of the year. When Elix Skipper walked the top of the cage and gave a hurricane around to Chris Harris back into the ring. And what was scariest of all, Skipper stumbled and had a hard time getting balance on top of the cage before he even did the walk, which was like terrifying. <laughs> Yeah. Even even knowing how that was going to go, it was still scary. Yeah, that was um Yeah, that was nerve wracking. I I think I don't think it's been done since, has it? Not that I know of. And especially not in a cage like that. Because most yeah. most cages don't I have just like the little thin part at the top. Right. I mean if there was like a platform, it might be something that's done, but not walking right. on the cage account. Yeah, and of course we know he's done like the rope walks before and stuff like that, which melts our notes. But then, of course, uh, going on top of the cage, he literally could have died. I mean, <laughs> if he slipped, he could have died. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now, this is uh, some interesting stuff because we were talking about like, well, did they try this out? Maybe did, you know, how did this go? Well, apparently the wrestlers had talked about the spot beforehand, and it was apparently a whole. It was tentatively in the match, so they weren't even sure if they were going to do it. Um, and there was talk of not doing it, both due to the risk and if Skipper felt that he was too tired from the 20 minutes of wrestling uh, to where it wouldn't be a good idea. Uh, Dusty Rhodes booked this match to be about 25 minutes. It actually went 21 and one second. Uh, so it went actually a little under of the book time. Um, and noted that it would be either a classic or a disaster. And it was sink or swim for four guys who had a bad match on the pay-per-view month earlier. Now, of course, we know that was due to an injury. All that kind of stuff, but talk about a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Completely redeeming yourself plus some. Yeah. Uh, I mean, super high praise from Meltzer there. Um, and he, he continues to talk very strongly about the show. Um, and it's also noted here that fans live at Universal Studios gave both teams a lengthy standing ovation after the match that uh, actually lived up to the standards. Um, set in the most famous match ever with the same stipulations in 1983 ricky steamboat and jay youngblood win over sergeant slaughter and don kernodal for the nwa tag team titles which is one of the biggest matches in history of carolina's wrestling um and now he goes on to say but it was hardly a one match show as there were only two bad matches now unfortunately the worst was the main event which his in his main event as far as promoted wise because obviously the cage mates went on last uh, and what turned out to be the smartest move of the night the new booker dusty Rhodes, put the cage match on last as reversing it would have led to a flat finish of the show the one two uh punch of the cage match and the pd williams versus chris saban x division uh match and and this one was every bit as good as the top two matches at backlash for wwe in april which they spoke uh you know it's a highly regarded show where Mick Foley and Randy Orton had that hardcore match and Triple H, Shawn Michaels and Benoit had the rematch from WrestleMania. Um, and this show blew away every pay-per-view offering WWE has done since that time. So, I mean, super high praise um, about the show. So he's saying it's been his best one since Backlash? 
and that it was as good as Backlash. Okay. Like the uh, two the two big matches, the yeah. X Division and the Cage, were just as good as the. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing this turning point gets such high praise as being one of the best pay per views ever. I mean, yeah, they literally said in wrestling, like ever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how accurate that is. At least for me, like it was a good show, but I don't know if I'd say it was like a banger. You know. No, I see what you, I see what you mean. I think it's what's interesting about it too is with Turning Point. I feel like it's um, more or less like kind of forgotten because it's like Victor Rose, like the first big one. I feel like you kind of forget about Turning Point. It's kind of it's like there. I mean, yeah, it's another big uh, show. But. I could definitely see. I could definitely see that because like watching it, it was like, damn, that was really fucking good. And it's like I remember so much of the, the show. But like then they, I, I never, I've never, I'm like, I don't know, I just don't, I, I feel like I forget about it. Because then you just keep picture. I just picture the like skipper spot, but I forget it's at turning point. You know, it's like that kind of shit where it's just like right. I just forget the show it's on. But you know, watching in context and everything, I mean, really good. No, I mean it. It, it is a good show. I mean, I think realistically, it's a two match show instead of like a one match or anything, but. Like DDP looked good in there with Raven. That was a that oh yeah, we'll match. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. But so yeah. It's a, I I just want to say, I mean, it's a good show. I don't maybe in two thousand four because there wasn't as much competition in terms of like greatest pay per views ever. I guess maybe it could be in there, but well, yeah. I mean, at the time, dude, yeah, I think it's a good. Point. It might be one of T, you know TNA's best ever. I don't know. I think it probably it's got to be. We'll find out uh, over the course of this podcast. Yes, we will. Uh, so this is, um, of course, early on in Dusty Rhodes' time being Booker. So while F- Rhodes' first show as head Booker, that's even the correct title, was a success, it was also noted that the show itself, as far as key matches, were all booked by Dutch Mantel and Jeff Jarrett before the change. Now, right now, there is an interesting company dynamic because Jarrett is already back as a key player in booking, uh, if he ever really left, of course. Uh, while Rhodes is the boss and made it clear to everyone, uh, Jarrett and Mantel are still in the game and allies with each other. So th- this is going to kind of start to dive into what direction we are potentially going. Okay, so it's kind of cutting off of that, and we're going to kind of tie this back into Victory Road, all kind of stuff like that. And then this is going to tie into stuff from ne- for next week. There's a whole, It's all sorts of stuff. So there was second-guessing. Uh, future plans. In particular, Rhodes' idea to change the January 16th main event. Uh, so, you ready for this? So, this is a rumored main event mm-hmm. that was supposed to happen. Was Jarrett defending the title against Diamond Dallas Page? Um, and he wanted to change that, of course, to Jarrett defending against Randy Savage. Now, the arguments naturally are that Savage is a far bigger name than DDP, so it should draw more. Now, the negative is that the company was aware just how much of a joke Savage is at this stage to the point they hid him from with a kidnapping angle <laughs> and only had him run in for the finish in street clothes, including a long sleeve shirt. Uh, he's so physically limited that his pinfall over Jarrett to earn the title shot was on a blocked sunset flip and simply one punch from that position. To anyone who saw the show, even with Mike tonight emphasizing that he pinned the champ and deserves the next shot, 
the idea of a Jarrett versus Savage main event, you know, which Jarrett himself was originally in favor of for obvious reasons, since in his eyes, he gets a win over Savage, provided Savage agreeable to that finish, is nothing anyone would want to see. Uh, and the thought of Jarrett having to carry him to a credible world title match is a scary thought. Uh, and so he also notes that Jarrett versus DDP has no box office either, but at least it would be a good match. Yeah, I mean, I think DDP Jarrett would, I mean, I, there's no doubt it would be a good match. Now, in terms of bo- box office, I mean, they do have history in uh, WCW. As Dallas, I believe, has said that the Kimberly Page term um, at Spring Stampede 2000 was the most devastating thing that he's ever watched, and that was when he watched it 18 years after the fact. I mean, it was, I mean, it's truly. One of the biggest turns of, of all time. Right. Shocking. Did not see it coming. Watch the vi- watch it, and you tell me if you saw it coming. Because I didn't see it coming. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everybody at that time knew that she was going to turn. Um, I had no idea. So, <laughs> so he had no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, so in terms of, like, if you're going to make a huge amount of money, like, I, probably not. But that's not because necessarily the the wrestlers, more or less because of you know the current state of the of the promotion. How many people do you think would even buy a Jarrett Savage pay per view at this point? Heading into t- 2005, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine they would do a huge a huge number. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like one of those weird things where it's like, on paper, it's like, oh wow, that's kind of crazy, and then it's like, then you realize like, oh wait, it's 2005. Oh, wait, they also, I mean, specifically Savage in general is way not in his prime anymore, like way past it. Yeah, and I I think they make a great point, too, about how, uh, or, you know, Dave does here about, um, you know, they they had to hide him with an abduction angle because of how limited and not great he looked. And we were sitting here watching the show thinking – he just is being a pain in the ass, or whatever. We, we don't know. It's like he just doesn't want to do it here. He kind of quit once. Does he just not want to do this now? So they have to do it like this? or? But no, it's just because he couldn't do anything. If you Okay, so just for fun, what do you think that his finishing move would be if he had a match with Jarrett? Because he can't do the elbow. No, he can't. What's, uh, his, what's his new finisher? I would say... I mean, he could probably still do a double axe handle. I don't know, Cammy. <laughs> off, of, off the middle rope. Off the middle rope, yeah, okay. Um, That'd be something. Maybe he would do like a running elbow strike, because he used to do, I mean, that wasn't a finishing move, but he would do that. Like, get the point of his elbow and just hit him in the head. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, just fun. Just fun ideas to fantasy book. I don't even know. Yeah, um, I believe uh, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of follow up on that whole situation um, next week more, and kind of dip into some more uh, future plans for final resolution. As far as I know, it's not a spoiler if it's being reported. Um, so I'm gonna hold it till next week, just in case we do hear a little bit uh, on today's show. But uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about final resolution coming up. Uh, but c- to continue on. Uh, here, I actually have some really fun notes here. I'm really excited about. Uh, but for that, 
Uh, so the show drew about 650 to 700 fans. Uh, it looked full on television, except in the corners. Uh, the company was expecting 500 troops to come in from MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa and fill out the other 200 slots with local diehards. Talked about that. Now, the company never pushed the pay-per-view locally or even that hard at the taping because they figured that they would have to turn people away even without promotion due to the limited availability. Now, unlike Victory Road, show four weeks earlier, this was a free ticket. So remember, they were kind of trying to charge Victory Road. The bomb dropped uh, was uh, when only 40 or so troops ended up coming, but they were lucky that enough fans came to, and the fans that did come were super enthusiastic. So, mind you, they were thinking 500 troops were coming, and they were going to get like, okay, some locals will come in, whatever. They got 40 troops, and then they still had 700 fans come. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. How much of that, I mean, is it good? Let's let's think this through. Okay, well, I look at it this way. Of course, it's not paying. The venue, we got to keep in mind, is not massive. We could hold, like, a max of, like, 850 right now. Right. But I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about in general. Like, you're in Florida. They know that DDP, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Randy Savage are all on the show. And you're not having, like, 5,000 people show up. You're getting 700 for a free ticket. And they know it's a free ticket. It's not an additional ticket. No, I see what you're getting at. If you focus on just the aspect of, hey, they got 700 to fit a 700, that looks great. Right. But when you look at the talent... But there's not a higher demand. Right. That you've brought in over the past three weeks, and there's not, like, an overwhelming thing here. Right. Now, I see what you're saying. I get it. Because let's say they went to a building where you could fit 7,000 people. 7,000 people probably aren't showing up to that for a paying ticket. No, no, they're not. Probably not, probably not even half. No, probably not. I think that's fair. Small victories, I guess. Right, yeah. I'm just taking what I can get, man. Um, so Dave notes, and this is, this is kind of interesting and kind of annoys me, too, at the same time. But he notes that his response level... Uh, or theirs, the Wrestling Observer, was down 29% from Victory Road four weeks earlier. So that means at some point there was a vote on the show that I, cannot find. I could not find it. Um, now, if that show did 35,000 buys, which is the current estimate, uh, then you could probably make an early prediction in the 25,000 $25, buys range for Turning Point. So he's thinking that there was a little bit less. Now, he's basing this strictly off of his response. Right. So it's very, that's just his kind of guess. But I think it was kind of interesting. But as we've noted, it kind of sometimes does correlate. Yeah, but I mean, I think the first, I mean, no matter what they put on that first show, Victory Road, I think it's going to get a a higher response. It's something new. Right. People want to be like, I know like my whole reason of getting it was like, oh, I can say I got the first pay-per-view. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? So that doesn't surprise me that there was a dip of interest. No, definitely. Even though Turning Point has this had the stronger card, I think, on paper. Yeah, no, I agree with that. 
Now, this is uh, something I was really hoping would be in here. Um, now, we, of course, know the show was also filled with comedy knocks at the WWE. And now we're going to we know who the people are. Are you ready? So uh, they had a guy dressed up as Vince McMahon. I'd make you guess, but you're never going to guess it because I don't really even know who this guy is. And it is actually ring announcer Tim Welch. So he's played Vince okay, McMahon. I've heard, I've heard that name before. Coming out of the limo I never heard that name. with a supposed Triple H. With a wig and sledgehammer. Now we were guessing for a while, for most of the show, it's Petey Williams. It's got to be Petey Williams. Well, and then at one point we were like, "Wait, no, it's not." And I think uh, you, you just guess who it is. It's an active roster member. Give me like one or two guesses, because it makes sense why we were like, "Oh, it's Petey." Like it, I feel like it clicked for me. Eric Young. Close. Is he in Team Canada? He is in Team Canada. Johnny Divine. It's Johnny Divine. Dude, I don't know why, but I was like, ah, shit, that's why we, like, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so Johnny Divine was playing Triple H uh, with us. Now, of course, um, they had, like, Abyss bring, you know, quote, Vince McMahon, and they called him Vince McDaddy. Uh, he, but they brought him balloons. Um, they had... Triple H or Johnny Divine doing the voice, um, spitting water as his useless son. And of course, you know, we don't need to fully break down the segment. We co- we covered it, but they wanted to destroy the tape. Uh, and they were teasing that they're going to show the tape and all this stuff. Well, and uh, uh, Dave notes that um, the little person that came in and, and beat the crap out of Vince, he says that it was T.O., but I'm like very certain it's not T.O. I'm just saying, because like we've seen T.O. often, but I guess if I it can't. is. I kind of thought it was T.O. as well. Did you? Yeah. I'd have to look again, I guess. But he, he notes that it was T.O. I didn't think it was, but I guess I'd have to look back. So I thought I thought it was. And if not... He, well, they had similar haircut. Like, yeah, I mean, they, he looked very similar. They did. And actually, I think I I think I might have even made a joke about it. Like, not like it should have been him. I don't know. Well, maybe it was. Well, he destroyed the D-Ray 3000 tape and stuff. And eventually, of course... As Dave says here, they eventually showed the relatively um, and almost, you know, it is essentially useless footage, right, that they took uh, a few weeks back when WWE shot its Royal Rumble commercial at Universal Studios in Orlando. Now, this is the, some of the fun parts. So, luckily, due to three life crew making jokes about stealing WWE's catering, catered mahi-mahi, it wasn't a complete dud. Now, they digitized everyone's face out to avoid threatening a lawsuit. Now we were saying, oh, that's got that's got to be like Eddie Guerrero. He looks like Eddie Guerrero, kind of in the 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 blur. Well, apparently, I think that that guy was in fact Luther Reigns, and not Eddie Guerrero. So, because uh, they specifically point out Luther Reigns and Rey Mysterio here, and we knew which one was Rey Mysterio, of course. Really, Luther Reigns? And he says, and now Dave says that his voice was a giveaway. Now they they kind of messed with the voices, I think, They're a little all bit. But also, of course, we're not listening full volume. We're talking over it a little bit, too. So, I mean, we could have just missed it. Um, now, BG James joked that Mysterio uh, being nice to them was a firing offense. Uh, now he says, while Reigns' voice was a giveaway, it's doubtful that almost anyone would know that he was there, which, well, here we are also not knowing that. Uh, with Mysterio, with his voice and his arm tattoo, let alone how many 5-2 wrestlers there are in WWE, it was pretty obvious. And when it was over, Mike Tanay made the joke about threatening a lawsuit. Um, it's not like we brought a tank to their headquarters. That's what he said. 
So pretty cool. I'm glad we kind of figured out who um, was playing the characters and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say that that was Eddie Guerrero. Still, I don't think that was Luther Reigns. I sort of think so, too, but... Listen, I'm just going. I'm just going what I got here. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get. Let's see his breakdown here. He's got star ratings for the matches, and I think it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna do apology because uh, apparently there was a dark match before the show, and I was unaware of that. I didn't and, know that either. And uh, so in the dark match, apparently Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens defeated Mikey Batts and Jarrell Clark when Batts was pinned after the natural disaster. <laughs> so surprised there was a dark match. Here's the thing, it's not it's not even documented as being a match anywhere. No, nowhere. So um so that tag team title match with Team Canada winning the titles, um, with the rough distracted Johnny Devine returned and hit James with a hockey stick. Rude got the pin. Fast paced match. Dave gave that two and a quarter stars. Uh Hector Garza, Sonny Siaki, and Sanjay Dutt defeated Michael Shane, Frankie Kazarian, and Kid Cash in eleven minutes and one second. Um, that other the Tekken title match, eight minutes thirty seconds. If you want to know, um, he noticed that this match was a total sprint of high spots, but it's what people wanted out of the match. Smartly, uh, apparently, he notes that Siaki did almost nothing, so apparently that was good according to him. And Garza pinned Kazarian after hitting the Torneo. He gave that match three and a quarter stars, and he breaks these down a little bit more, by the way. But I'm just kind of giving us the the high overview since you know we covered the show. And if you want to hear us break it down, check out our last episode. Do it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Monty Brown defeated Abyss in 12 minutes, 17 seconds in that Serengeti survival match. Now, of course, the rules, uh, you could win via pinfall, submission, or slamming your opponent into thumbtacks. Uh, Brown, in a promo called Abyss Obese, and of course, making a, a joke that he's a large man. Uh, and Dave talks a lot of shit about Abyss's physique here, which I'm just skipping right over because I just think it's stupid. And Brown uh, blocked Abyss and slammed him down with a spine buster to win two and three quarter stars. He gave that one. Now this one he kind of uh, he kind of has some interesting stuff. So Johnny B. Bad and Pat Kenny defeated Glenn Gilberti and Johnny Swinger seven minutes fifty seconds. And he notes, remember when Kenny, Gilberti, and Swinger were all taken off TV to be repackaged? So they came back as the same exact people, except that they had Kenny, the Empire Saint nickname that they do nothing to push him as being different. Uh, not even a new outfit, or he says costume, but... Uh, and uh, instead of making him the brunt of the third great Irish jokes. So he's just kind of back, and he's the same thing. Uh, this was supposed to be a six-person tag with uh, Jacqueline Moore and Trinity. Uh, it was not advertised on the show, so nobody cared about it. They hadn't even run any angles to set up these four in a program, and Moore hadn't done any TV since the last pay-per-view. Trinity called a few days before the show and told the office that she had gotten a movie role doing stunts for Steven Spielberg's remake of War of the Worlds and couldn't do the pay-per-view. Since the show was already written, they were pissed at her for this decision. The instructions were to act like she didn't exist, and at this point, there were no plans to use her again. Yeah, you just heard that right. There is apparently no plans to use fucking Trinity anymore. Because she got a better job. And couldn't make it to one pay-per-view. Um, Jackie Moore ended up being the referee, wearing her old uh, WWE ref outfit. The finish saw Jacqueline body slam Gilberti and bad pin him after a TKO. One and a quarter stars. 
Then we go to uh, DDP pinned Raven in some sort of no DQ match since there was interference everywhere and nothing was called uh, in 12 minutes and three seconds. They had a good match, but in the, their fear of not having one, so badly overbooked it, they took a lot away from it at the finish. Now, of course, as Bob noted, Eric Watts is back, and he kind of did a bad thing. So he was on commentary as a babyface, uh, protested it was unfair. Now, he ended up chokeslamming uh, both, and then naturally, this was so pathetic because it was a needless swerve that everyone in the building could see. He turned on DDP, closed... He, sorry, he... I let me. I took out some parts. He chokeslammed both of the hooded guys. That's is what I was referencing because right. we had the hooded guys. I that's my bad because I took some of the stuff out of this. But um, so everyone saw the swerve coming. Um, he turned on DDP, clotheslined him. He went for a chokeslam, but DDP gave him a low blow. So not only was the turn transparent, but it made no difference because it didn't even cost DDP the match. Right. DDP used a diamond cutter on Watts, another low blow to Raven, and a third diamond cutter to win the match. This bout was considerably better than it reads, as it was Raven's best match in a long time until they got so cute that the finish was one of those fuzzy things that meant nothing. And he gives this one three and a quarter stars. Wow, I still get three and a quarter. Yeah. It does make it sound a lot worse on paper. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It it was solid. But he is right. They got too cute with all the, um, you know, Eric Watts, like interference and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And just, I feel like he's right. I think they overbooked it because they were worried that maybe DDP wasn't going to be yeah. able to do the match. And not anything they, but even himself maybe <sighs> didn't think that it was going to be able to do it. No, absolutely. And when and when Eric Watts did the turn, and then it was it was useless. It's like why even? If he cost him the match, it would have been like significantly Wait, better. Right. Wait, but right. when you do that, and then you still fail at it, not only. It kind of just kills Watts. Yeah, it does. He couldn't even. You you couldn't even do it. Right. So, yeah, I think that's that was definitely a blunder. But you're right. And so is Dave. You know, they were probably worried that you had to smoke Amiris because DDP. And I even said within the first like 30 seconds, it looked like he was kind of stiff and wasn't moving right. But then as the match got on, he warmed up and was doing pretty good. Definitely. Uh, Petey William retaining that X Division title. He pinned Saban in 18 minutes, 11 seconds. Dave says just a super match with uh, with off the chart heat. They were going, doing the alternating chance. Let's go Saban. Let's go Petey. Uh, Scott Demore kept interfering, and eventually with Demore distracting the ref, Williams pulled out brass knucks for the pin. He gave this match four stars. That's pretty fair. On to the, uh, the six man Jeff Hardy, Styles, and Randy Savage beat Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Jeff Jarrett in 17 minutes. In 52 seconds, which reading that is insane that we watched Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles get beat up for 17 minutes, really, before anything happened. So Nash and Hall and Jarrett before the show, being that they are the kings of wrestling, dressed up uh, like Elvis in jumpsuits and Elvis wigs, uh, which I think is hilarious. They also did this angle where the car drove away and they acted as if they beat beaten Savage up, threw him in the car, and he was kidnapped. It's actually because Savage couldn't wrestle, as we discussed. And they were trying to hide that. Uh, so the match begun. It was two on three. Hall and Nash wore the jumpsuits. Uh, so Dave says that they look like giant clowns. I, for one, thought they were great. Because uh, it was funny. Now, the jumpsuits were to apparently hide their physiques. 
Uh, although Nash is in great cosmetic shape for his age, as Meltzer says. Uh, but it couldn't hide their faces. Uh, both, particularly Hall, have aged greatly. I hate this shit, but I just bring it up because it's just stupid. But they aged. Uh, they did also come out, a uh, nice deep cut for you longtime TNA fans. They came out to the Flying Elvis' theme song, which I loved. Um, didn't Scott Hall rustle on the Impact before the pay-per-view and not in the Elvis gear? Yeah, he did. So why so, would hide So it's not hiding his physique. Yeah, exactly. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's stupid. It's not hiding his physique. No, it's stupid. It's really stupid. Yeah, he, uh, he just says things. Just like he does. That. No, he does. Just uh, Hardy had Hall pinned when Nash pulled the referee Andrew Thomas out of the ring. Hall hit Hardy with a guitar shot. Savage finally showed up, and he made Hall and Nash look youthful. Because <laughs> he's, yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> so he says, backstage, I was told Savage looked 100 years old. <laughs> I thought on TV he didn't look more than one day over 60, although he did look older than Luthaz did when I saw him at a show in 1996 when Lou was 80. Holy shit. Uh, Savage threw a few punches and put Jarrett in a sleeper. Jarrett tried a sunset flip. Savage blocked it, punched Jarrett into the head, and got the pin. But he gave this match a one star. You know what? The one star is probably generous. Yeah. Now, of course, I wonder, you know what, Randy, I feel like Randy is the type of guy that's influenced by what other people think of him. Yeah. So if he were to have seen, and I seem, I guess, if he had read these comments by Meltzer, Mm -hmm. that might have played a part in him being like, you know what, this guy, a critic. I'm a known critic and people are reading his shit. If he thinks that I look like I'm a hundred or if I'm, I look like I'm, I'm right. 80 on TV, maybe I really shouldn't be doing this. And you know, he's self-conscious because he's wearing a jacket. He's wearing a shirt, wearing right, a long right. sleeve shirt, whatever. And even in 92, when he was off the gas, he was wearing a shirt and like protecting his physique. I don't know if I even put that together with the yeah. shirt and stuff. Wow. Hmm, that's really I, interesting. I think that he might have might have seen the uh, the uh, criticisms or whatever. And I wouldn't like, be surprised, man. I don't want to ruin my legacy like many other people have. So he yeah, just is, I, and, and, and it's TNA on a lower level of scale. Like, I'm, it's true. Is, yeah, isn't worth it to him, maybe. Yeah, I want to definitely hold down to that thought too, because that's I kind of want to bring that up once we kind of discuss that further, probably on our next episode. Um, because I have some discussion we can have about, about Randy Savage, too. Um, finally, we're on to the, the, the cage match. It's Chris Harris, James Storm beat Elix Skipper. Or he's, it's prime time. It's not Elix Skipper. But, uh, and Christopher Daniels in a losing team must split up forever. Six sides of steel cage match went, of course, as we noted, 21 minutes and one second. Daniels juiced heavy after being slingshot into the cage. Um, they got handcuffed on Harris, proceeded to beat the hell out of Storm. And he really breaks the match down a lot. Crowd started chanting best match ever, while Tanae acted like they were seeing history in one of the greatest cage matches of all time. And he even says, and that wasn't even a stretch by this point. So, like, mid-match, it's still like, holy shit. Uh, the match ended with America's Most Wanted putting Daniels in handcuffs and doing powerplex, triple-exers finisher on Daniels, and Storm got the pin. The crowd gave both teams that standing ovation at the finish for several minutes. The heel dressing room then came out, 
and gave a standing ovation to Triple X as they got up to leave. Now, we I don't think we saw that. Like that I don't think it was on pay-per-view at all. Uh, this match blew away the match they had 17 months ago, and they may have been the best match in TNA history. There is little question in my mind this match is, uh, has now has one of those honors. He gives this match four and three-quarter stars. Just give it the five. I mean... I lead, yeah, dude. It's like... Oh, it's so good. It's so, so four, good. Four, like, I know I've done that, I think, with like reviews. Like I'll do three and three quarters, or I think maybe even four and three quarters. But that's really nitpicking to uh, to not give the full five. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. And then and then we say, and he, you know, he's going to sit there and say it's arguably the best match in TNA history. Right. I think it deserves a five. I kind of do too. I mean, it was like, it was that good. It was it's, really. It's one of the best tag team matches of all time, probably. And if you look at 2000, if you go strictly 2004, it's absolutely up there. Yeah. For, and for I any, mean, for any. I mean, I don't think that there should be any uh, doubt that I think America's Most Wanted and Triple X have got to be among the best tag teams in wrestling history. Like they're both like phenomenal teams. Well, yeah. I mean the, the rivalry alone between them, dude, it's like one of the best. It's like so good. Yeah. It's so good. And that's why if we watch that match by itself, it still would have been really good, but right. we've been watching the whole thing, right? From we the have first... absolute full context. Yeah. And it makes it like that much better. It was, I mean, it's just so good. And I think it's something we're going to be mentioning and referencing for years to come. I mean, it's just, we're going to be like, remember that, remember that match at Turning Point? Like, because it was, it's that good. Sure. Um, and it's disappointing that Triple X is going to be splitting up. But I do think, um, realistically, we got two new really great guys um, that'll probably be strictly X Division. And I'm totally fine with that. Because I think they're both uh, yeah. they're both really good. So, do you think that we'll get a team now to debut to replace Triple X? I think we need to. Like, I would imagine we would. I think we need to. So I think we should keep an eye on that. If like that's really good to know, yeah. Potentially substitute for them. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, I got two more two more notes here, and then we're gonna get going on the show. So, and these are not that we've covered Turning Point. We're done. Ooh, killed it. Awesome. Uh, we'll probably reference it again, but notes and stuff. Um, I really enjoyed Dave's breakdown of this. I think it was super good. So um, I'm assuming it'll happen more. So we'll be kind of doing a similar format going forward for after the impacts after pay-per-views. Um, and I'm only telling you these uh, other two notes, Bob, because they're a little more long form and trying to talk about it during the show. I just don't think I can do it. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Jerry Jarrett and Bob Carter met in Nashville. Can't talk, can't talk. Jerry Jarrett and Bob Carter met in Nashville this past week with Jarrett trying to propose a new budget that would greatly cut back on costs in order to convince Carter to stay in, er, to stay in for the long haul. Now, the company was happy with how the pay-per-view did, which is a positive. They're claiming they have confirmed agreements for $3 million in ad sales for 2005, which... Uh, with other cutbacks, could see the company break even at 45000 to 50000 pay-per-view buys per month, although that's still going to be a very difficult figure for them to average monthly. And he kind of breaks that down a little bit. 
um, kind of compares it to some ECW and even some WWE stuff like that with their ad sales and all that kind of stuff. But uh, TNA right now averages about a 0.18 plus whatever explosion brings in, which is probably next to nothing or maybe 30 times lower. Plus, WWE is a marquee name brand and TNA is unproven. While TNA won't be getting the 8 p.m. Monday uh, night best damn sports show period weekly tie in show that they were hoping for, since the ratings didn't come in as they needed. They are talking with Fox Sports Net about doing some primetime specials on the show. Even with the exposure coming out of the first show, the buy rate appears to be well down from the second show, and that's with the good first Sunday pay-per-view. The January show will be interesting because you really can't expect to have a better pay-per-view show than they did this past weekend. If buys don't increase, then good quality pay-per-view shows can't save the company by itself. Among the things being talked about now are to move the Friday Impact show from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., which is slightly better, but really only slightly, as well as adding a Saturday midnight replay show and adding Explosion in a weekday afternoon time slot. If, FS, if S, FSN gives them the slots, they are okay. But if they are paying extra for the additional time slots, and I'm presuming that would be the case, the extra expense is nothing they are going to make uh, back through advertising. They are also trying to come up with celebrity involvement ideas since WWE was put on the mainstream map by Mr. T and Cindy Lauper uh, and Mike Tyson for the catalyst of its biggest period in wrestling, or in history, not wrestling, but I guess also hit wrestling. Of course, celebrities also in the long run hurt WCW more than it helped them, so it's hardly a guarantee. So, um, so I I just looked up um, the ECW pay per views buy rates, and so you're saying that they'd have to do between forty five and fifty. Mm-hmm. Now, and I understand this is a different era. Wrestling is at its hottest, arguably, in 97, 98, 99, 2000. But, so let's just say from 98, ECW's first pay-per-view in 98, which is living dangerously, until the end. Now, the final six pay-per-views, there's no public record, but I'm going to assume that it's over that time. Every pay-per-view got it. 53,000 or more approximate buys. The last documented one being Living Dangerously 2000 got 95,000. Wow. Now, context here is as well. Okay, they are on ECW and they are on TNN uh, for a few of these from the September one. That's a lie. From November of 99, which is November to, November, to March. And they got. 80, 80, and 95. Well, again, the other ones are not documented. TNA being on at 3 o'clock on a Friday probably isn't going to help. No. But do but, 4 o'clock, it could. Give me a break. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why like, they don't do better on pay-per-view. I think that's always been kind of confusing to me. Yeah. So we look at... Okay, so Victory Road got 25,000. And then Turning Point... These are approximate, I think. Do you know how much Turning Point got? I don't know if I have official numbers. Because even Victory Road, I think, 
originally was like they were saying it was like thirty or so or thirty-five. They drew row, yeah, they say twenty-five thousand, and then turning point apparently got twenty. That's actually not, if that's actually official numbers from later on. I mean, or close to it. That's not bad of a drop, really. No, it's not. But then you look at, I'm literally looking at the history here. For, uh, TNA. Mm-hmm. At least through 2010. Uh, they come absolutely nowhere near. Nowhere near. 50, the right? Yeah. For, the, for the majority of the run. There's a couple of them that get a bump up here, but there's, they're just not even close. Yeah, so once again, this just is going to add to our discussions of we're going to just talk every every few months. It's going to be like, hey, guys, this is a this is the end. Of course, it never ends up being the end. Do you, you know what? I know this is kind of a kind of a, a discussion that has happened a lot. Do you think it could be the name? The brand of team? <sighs> uh, OK. If you ask Eric Bischoff, get... he says yes. Um, <clears throat> I think it. I think it could. I think there's a chance. Um, I don't know. It's. It's so hard, man. It, I don't know. I don't like. It's hard to answer that. I don't know. It's hard because I, it's hard for someone like me who's like, really. I guess you could say both of us, where it's like. When I think of TNA, I just think of wrestling, like total not of action. Like that's the first thing I think of, because it's just so ingrained in our head of like, oh, it's, yeah, it's this wrestling company. Whereas like, I feel like this is something we have to ask one of our friends who like doesn't watch. Be like, hey, if you heard of like a wrestling company called TNA, like what, what, like, what do you think that is? Like, is that? No, I don't. I don't think you can even say wrestling company. I think. I think you yeah, but see, their name does have it's TNA wrestling though. Yeah, but if you watch, if you were to order the paper, you would say TNA Turning Point. Are you sure it doesn't say TNA Wrestling Presents Turning Point? I don't. Not I see what I mean. I, I think, don't know. Right, I think they would change that down the line to be more like, hey, it's rust. It's a wrestling show. It's not porn. It's nothing. Well, because remember early on, like the logo just said. I mean, it's a TNA, it's a total nonstop action, small underneath. But then eventually when they switched the logo, they added the wrestling, like, underneath it. So, like, I feel like that was almost maybe an attempt of, like, hey, it's wrestling. Uh, and then, of course, they dropped the fucking dancers and stuff, which kind of helps with that. Well, that was the guy on Fox Sports Net, though. Well, yeah, but that, I think, helps with, like, the connotation of, like, okay, you have girls dancing in, like, not a lot of clothes in cages. Yeah. And your name is TNA. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, for a while, they were, like, in the intro video. You know what I mean? So it's like, you kind of, <laughs> they were definitely giving you that um, kind of influence, but. I don't know. It's something I think about sometimes, too, but. I mean, like I said, if you ask Eric Bischoff, the answer is yes. Definitely affected it. Because he said that before. But once again, Eric Bischoff sometimes is full of shit, so it's hard to tell. I, I do think to a to some extent you might have a point. I just know like for me, I would just tell my parents like like my mom or something it's a wrestling show, and then she would quickly realize that it is a wrestling show when it was ordered and it's like on the TV. Oh, maybe that is why then. I don't know. 
There's this. No, it's no, definitely. Something thing. I mean, these this company gets like huge stars, and then there's just no growth in that mm-hmm. department. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's just it's just a little weird. Uh, what else is interesting is Jeff Jarrett not losing the title, which is about my final note here. Um, and it's kind of a reference to our last Impact show, which we've kind of glossed over um, just because Turning Point happened so quickly. And, you know, there's just been a lot of shit going on, as we all know. Um, but really, the biggest thing that came out of the last episode of Impact was Jeff Jarrett facing off against Monty Brown for the NWA heavyweight title. Um, right. Which I, I think we kind of keep forgetting happened because they literally did it two days before Victory Road. We happened to have Victory Road and now we're a week later. Well. Dave has a brief note about this, and I figured it was uh, worth bringing up because that's the biggest thing that happened on that show. Uh, Jeff Jarrett did one hell of a job in his TV bout for the NWA title with Monty Brown. It was the best match I've ever seen Brown in. And while Brown deserves the credit, you could really see Jarrett's ability here uh, as they went 13 minutes and two seconds. Uh, And if anything, it was too short rather than too long. And that's saying a lot when Dave says, I've never seen Brown in a good match past seven minutes. And he notes that perhaps move, removing all the stress and time from booking and running things uh, will get his work back to what it once was. Uh, he's talking about Jeff Jarrett specifically there. Um, and now he does say, though, that he still needs to lose the title far worse than he can understand, but that's a different issue. Uh, and he kind of breaks down the match a little bit more, um, which we watched it, uh, and it's kind of old at this point, so we don't really need to go through. But he notes that there is still talk of putting the title on Brown as Rhodes likes him, and possibly going with Jarrett versus Brown in February. But Jarrett and Brown had built such a hot crowd and damn good match where people actually cared about the title, and then they ruined it, and in the end, had no impact other than a lot of insiders raised their stock on Brown quite a bit as far as a future uh, potential. So, um, at least, uh, hopefully that'll help them out a little bit, kind of going in the future. But, I think, uh, Bob, I sure that really covers uh, everything we need to before the show. It's a longer form intro, absolutely, than we've been used to. Um, but I think that his insight for Turning Point and this kind of stuff was uh, really nice to hear. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not I, I'm not really surprised that Dusty likes Mountie Brown. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go with it for February. And would they put that title on? Honey Brown in February. Is it too late? What do you do with him until then? I almost think if Savage is out, yes, that maybe we should think about January at final resolution. Because Brown had that last title match. He's had think, he's had what? He's had one title match? Brown? Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then he didn't lose. He lost, but it wasn't clean. I think they could do it for final resolution easily. I I'm worried that well, yeah. February is too far away. Nah, see, I don't. I don't think it's too far away. I just don't know what do you do with Monty in the meantime. Just have him squash people, or like what? Earn his shot again. He's got to go through everyone. Bound for Glory series against a odd series, I guess. No, I think what you do. Uh, you could realistically, Dallas, you could probably have this go until March. Oh, for Monty Brown. Okay. <clears throat> because I would, 
like let's say on this impact and we'll get in here in a minute i just want to get this out of the way yeah i think that you set up monty brown as the next legitimate threat somebody that jared is terrified of mm-hmm. january could be monty brown against scott hall monty brown beats scott hall. february could be monty brown against kevin nash it's Nash. Yeah, I see. What you, okay. Yeah. And then March could be the uh, showdown with Jarrett. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then in April, which we know is uh, well, will be a big pay per view. You could have a team Mountie Brown against Team Jarrett. In that okay. Pay-per-view. We we could spread this out. Yeah. Okay. I'm for it. So. I mean, that's what, to me, that's what you should be doing with guys like Hall and Nash, putting people over. Now, I know we've thought about having them win the tag titles and by American Smile, which you could still do, whatever. But if you have Maya Brown just go through the Kings of Wrestling and win the title, I think that... Uh, I'm cool with that. That'd be pretty compelling. It'd be huge for Brown, too, to get wins over those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Homegrown guy pinning Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and shit. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, all right. Let's get into the December 10th, 2004 edition of TNA Impact. The runtime for this is approximately 51 minutes and 57 seconds. If you want to watch along with us, head over to Impact Plus. Or you can find it in your own personal collection, if that is something that you're to do i'm going to count down from three when i say play that is i'm going to hit the play button and then we'll uh watch the show together so here we go three two one play this is tna um bob just so you know as i mentioned previously i don't have any explosion notes for quite some time (laughs) Hmm. oh we're showing the flashbacks of vince mcmahon and triple h at turning point smashing the tape um, yeah, so no explosion notes. Uh, I have no dark match notes. A reminder that this is a double taping, so they probably, if they did them, uh, at least nothing of note in the Observer. Okay. What the fuck? That's the preview we're getting? They have the Vince McMahon smashing the tape, and then we go right into the intro. You said that explosion was more of like a magazine recap show now, right? Yeah. That's what's being said, at least. Mind you, I have no evidence of this, but... Right. I have no idea either. Okay, dude, we're still got the shitty intro, so guys, you still have a good-ass intro song because I'm not updating it until we get a better song. I'm just not doing it. So we're not using this song? No, I, I can't. It's so boring. Yeah, it's, it adds no excitement. It sounds so generic, so... Yeah. Uh, Bob, here in the Impact Zone, we got 700 people. So pretty full but not not completely now i want you to keep that number in mind because when we talk to about some notes in coming weeks i don't think next week i think the week after probably uh you're gonna hear that number vary a little bit you're probably wondering why i'll just give you a spoiler a lot of people start to leave (laughs) what do you mean i don't know apparently at the second taping uh there's a lot less people for this like so the 17th episode a lot of people have left apparently what we'll see i don't tell them to stick around we're at don west and mike tenay 
Turning Point was so exciting. Oh, let's see. Oh, AJ Styles were Hector Garza in the main event. That's not bad. Let's, why don't you say we go to the ring? Oh, Hail Sabin. Wait a second. That's not Chris Sabin. Uh, that's Mikey Bats. What in the world? Why is, why is he coming out to Chris Sabin's music? Are they going to like team up? Is this a tag match? I think that's a production fucked up. You gotta be shitting me. Mikey Batch just came out to Chris Sabin's theme song. And it, it's like has his name in it. That was weird. Maybe they think that he looks so much like him that they could just play it off. God. Uh, he looks like he's facing off against the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. He's got his uh, singles wrestler. Yeah, and they're even pointing that out. He's got his elbow taped up. I gotta how's say. His, how's his forehead? I didn't... It looks pretty fucking normal compared to what it probably should be. Oh, uh, you like. can kind of see the. I don't think he's got stitches, but it looks like he might have been like glued up a little bit. Kurt's immediately chanting for the fallen angel here. Kind of a random little uh, singles match, but that's fine. I don't know if I would have put Daniels on yet. I feel like I would have considered keeping kind of Triple X off TV for a little while. Well, I don't know if I'd keep him off TV. I think this is a sign that they want to use Daniels in a prominent role. In a, singles, in a singles way. Don't you think he he should be a little distraught? I feel like I'd be like distraught. Like, I mean, you can be distraught and still. Yeah, but then it. casually come out and open impact. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there could be a promo after this and have him be like, it sucks, but like. I oh, oh Beth just slipped. He went to do like a pop up. I'm assuming he's going to go there like a hurricane around it, but he slipped on Daniel's shoulders and fell down. So they're really talking about six sides of steel here. We're getting the results scroll at the bottom of the screen. And they are, of course, hyping up the replay of the show, which you can order right now at all your pay-per-view providers. In case you're wondering, there are there's one indie note, and it's not until the main event. Oh, wow. Okay. Just, just a heads up so people don't think I forgot. That's good to know, and I would probably call you on it at some point, too. So, um, I, uh, I have a couple notes we'll discuss during the show here. Uh, nothing super wild, um, but there is some pretty interesting. Uh, what's the word? Pretty interesting. Um, I can't think of the word. Something something interesting is going on with someone. We'll talk about it. Yeah, Daniels definitely has a like a very small bandage on his forehead where he uh, was busted open from that cage match. A reminder: it was dripping from his forehead, like literal pouring out of his forehead. As he's clubbing away here on Mikey Bats with some forearms. Mikey Bats firing back with some right hands in the corner. Not not great punches. No, Meltzer's it's out. yeah. Meltzer's out here judging punches. Oh, Ooh, caught on a cross body with a backbreaker, gut buster combo there. Oh, he's calling for it. He's gonna hit the Angels' wings. I mean, I really, I, I really like Daniels' look. 
He's great. There we go. He could be but a, like Moonsault. I'm really kind of missing. He could be more than just an X Division guy. If he was oh, I think so. Give it a chance here. I definitely think that. Is the crowd is the crowd chanting for Mikey now? So Daniels is trying to work a little more heel, so the crowd is mad at him. You well, gotta get the replay, he, dude. Oh, he sends him hard into the corner. Would we think that uh, Daniels is a babyface at all? He's got a black eye. Um, How does it make him a babyface? I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. Um, no, I think he'd still be a bad guy. I think if anybody comes out of that match on Triple X side as a babyface, it'd be Skipper. Yeah. I think so, too. Dance with the boot in the corner. Now he's going middle rope drop kick. This match is going on far longer than I thought. Dude, was I was thinking the same thing. They collide on stereo shoulder black. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really digging this match, man. I don't think this is the way to open up in bag. I don't think that this was. I don't think that Mikey Batch should be going four minutes with Daniels. Making, I, don't, I mean, I like competitive matches, but I don't think Mikey Bats in his singles roles at that level is. They just messed up a press slam thing there. Guy's going for a suplex, and he just awkwardly did like a DDT for a two count. Well, they started me off thinking they got Chris Saban coming out, and then he didn't. Right. We got, yeah, and that's there. like kind of my biggest issue here. Uh. Do you think that they're trying to make it? I mean, Daniels hasn't really wrestled singles, so that's why it's taking him longer to win. It could be. Is he hit an STO there? And by STO, I mean a flatliner kind of, damn it. STO is when he lands on his back. He went face first, but he didn't jump like a flatliner would. Oh, he just stared at the crowd like, screw you guys, and then they immediately started to boo him. Oh, Angel's Wings? Let's see. One hook, two hooks. Uh, boom. Oh, that was pretty good. Let's do it. One, two, three. Look at that. Five minutes on the dot. Okay. Nice job, Christopher Daniels. Hey, you just pushed Mike Posey. That's $10,000. Wait a second. What's this? Oh, shit. The last, last right. I knew. I couldn't remember the name. Well, if this is uh, WCW, that would be the roll of the dice with Reno. <laughs> Sounds like that's the next feud. Reno's going to make his return to wrestling. Oh, God. You're still my move. Who's this? Oh, my God. It's Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, wait. Uh oh. Outsiders. Yo, it's DDP. Thought you'd be bigger. Kevin Ash goes, I heard you were dead. Say, I saw your match the other night. Saw Raven kick out of the diamond cutter, and Kevin Nash is like, He goes, well, at least I didn't lose that match, though. <laughs> he makes a joke about his monster shirt that he keeps wearing with his white tracksuit. 
Kovanesh grabbed him and he went to walk away after they shook hands. One thing. Instead of our business, we'll stay out of yours. So it wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, Bob, I do have a note quick about DDP. This just screams like WCW bootleg shit. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it was the Millionaire's Club. Don't you fucking wrong. Get, well, here's the thing. Wrong. Kevin Nash and DDP are former tag champions, the insiders. Oh, shit. That's right. You know what I mean? So it's like they were friends, allies at one point. Well, that's probably why he stopped and just casually talked to him. We were in the awesome final resolution video package that we saw. At I, do like, I do like the video package. I do. Um, it's noted here that Dave says that DDP is earning more money with TNA than he ever earned in WWE. Just so everyone's. DDP aware. is? Yeah. Holy shit, how much are they paying him? <laughs> I don't know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I know he took a pay cut to go, like, he took a pay cut to go to WWE. We're getting uh, flashbacks to Turning Point, which I have a feeling, Bob, get ready. I bet you we see a similar uh, package at least three other times during this show. They're doing the pause thing where they, like, Pause oh, it. It's paper. You gotta watch it on pay per view to see the t- the tax. The crowd reaction. That's Luther Reigns. No, no that one was Rey Mysterio. That would be Rey Mysterio. I know. Joke. The Reigns is not that short. Oh my God! The picture skipper up in the hands. Go to TNAWrestling.com for the full. Okay. Okay, we're going to get a nice crowd shot. Talking about the return of Johnny Devine. Team Canada walked out with the tag team titles. Oh, we're on backstage. Coach some more Team Canada with Shane Douglas. So they're celebrating. With a jubilant Team Canada. Here's Johnny Devine. Rumors of his demise are greatly exaggerated. I'd be rude on the mic here, but he doesn't. You talk a lot. I feel like this time. He's telling the DOA to line them up. Uh, Save or uh, PD Williams saying, "Well, you're worried about coming up with a counter. I told you I had more one thing up my sleeve." Scott Demore saying, "Back home, it's a party." We got all the gold. Oh. There's one piece of gold missing. The NBA World Championship. Jeff Jarrett, your notice is served. Is Johnny Devine going to fight for the NWA title? I can't believe that Team Canada would even threaten that. Right. Uh, So we just saw Johnny Devine there. And um, you'll be glad to know that Johnny Devine is back in the ring as well as... uh, after being stabbed um, with his first match back scheduled. Uh, it was on December 8th. 
in Nashville working USA Championship Wrestling in Nashville as a tag team with Cassidy Riley as the new Hot Shots. For Divine? Yes. His first match back. That would be, you know what, that would be interesting. I wonder if uh, Brian Turner, friend of the show. I'm wondering, yeah. Would have uh, any footage of that. He's been uh, releasing some footage from uh, USA Championship Wrestling. Uh, we have the team of Michael Shane and Frankie Gazarian, and it looks like they're about to fight the winners of that incredible cage match. America's Most Wanted. They're uh, limping. They're bandaged up, though. Yeah, Harris has a bandage. Uh, he's holding his ribs. Did not tape his ribs. No, there's like a bandage on his ribs. Not like a there normal is? wrap. Yeah, you'll see it. Like, see? Oh, I see it right there. Yeah. Well, he didn't. He didn't uh, tape him up like DDP would. I hope Storm has a bandage, too. I didn't see that. Now, here's the thing. Realistically, it might not be a popular decision here. But I'm, I may be inclined to put Kazarian and Shane over. Oh, get out of here. Well, here's I'm only saying this because the two guys you're wrestling are clearly injured. Yeah. After a cage match, they're heavily bandaged. They're not 100%. You are. You're a tag team. Why not put them over? You have, a, you have a built-in excuse, and then you could have a rematch on pay-per-view when they're healthy or something. And of course, Michael Shane here is still Michael Shane. We discussed this in depth on our Turning Point episode of the, the dub-overs on the pay-per-view version. Yeah, that was with the, the assistance version. of Lance. Lance, right? Yeah. Uh, this is super interesting stuff, because we're sitting here, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, I, and I, I remember reading about them having to dub it over. Which is interesting, though, because we, we, as we discussed on Victory Road, we were not watching the DVD version, and he right. still was Matt Bentley, I think, on that one, wasn't he? He was, yeah. def, he was definitely Matt Bentley. And then we watched the paper version. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So Turning Point was the DVD version, which was dubbed over. But, the yeah, Victory Road was the regular release. And uh, they had noted him as, right? It was that was Bentley because on the best team sports show thing, it was back to Michael Shane. And we were like, "What the heck's happening?" Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, and as I've said before, um, in July of '05 on a cyberspace show, he he does say, "I'm at Bentley," so he at and... some point officially changes it in both in both TNA and not in. Uh, nice slingshot leg drop there, but Kazarian gets a two count, though. I believe on Storm, is it in the ring? I wasn't paying attention. Oh, no, that's, uh, Har- that's, uh, that's Harris. That's Harris. No, it's not. No, it is. It's Harris. It's Harris. Chris. It's Harris. <laughs> um, it's the SATs all over again. We don't know which one. Oh God, they both oh have God. bandages. Um, interesting note, though, uh, just to follow up on this whole situation, uh, as I noted on our Turning Point episode, you could watch it on Impact Wrestling's YouTube channel for free. They have the original. I looked it up, and they, they call him Michael Shane. Oh, well, there you go. So, uh, pretty interesting. I'm wondering, why aren't you guys watching on YouTube? I don't want to deal with the ads. I don't want to watch it over the internet, guys. I don't have, I don't have YouTube Premium, and I don't want to. Keep I have the trial still, and it's pretty freaking great. But I know. I mean, I'm really contemplating on just doing it. Because is it still 10 bucks? 
Uh, oh, so I bet I don't know. It might be more than that. And if it is, it's I don't know. <clears throat> Match is falling apart here, but Michael Shane has control over Harris. James Storm is trying to stop it. Rudy Charles is can barely control these guys right now as we're heading toward the three-minute mark in this match. Driving the knee into the injured ribs. I just, you know what? I think it's funny that the the name is such an issue for Michael Shane for a guy named Mike Shane in WWE when he when Mike Shane lasts like not even three months. It's yeah, that's how it goes, man. It's so it's so weird. Double gut buster here on Chris Harris. The best X division tag team in the world today is what they call themselves. I prefer the coolest tag team in the world, but whatever. Yeah. Is that their team name? The best X division tag team in the world. Yeah. They just, why they can't fit that on the the Fox box, but they, they could do it like, uh, with the world's greatest tag team, how they would just do WGTT. Yeah. (laughs) Best X division tag team. (laughs) BXTT. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'll throw up Harris. Oh, shit. Dropkick by Kazarian. Knocking him off his feet. With one foot. Storm making the save. I mean, I, I really like Kazarian and Shane as a tag team. Yeah, I do too. I really do. And I think that if you put them over here and then by the end of the show, be like, AMW's demand a rematch when they're at full health at final resolution. Mm. That is, I think... Big number one contender match there. Why not? Who cares? Yeah. Add some stakes to it. They definitely need some more heel teams to, like, go against. Now, reminder, they were promised that they would be fighting the Outsiders. So, are the Outsiders going to win the titles? I don't know. Would Team Canada having them now? I don't know. Would you have AMW win the titles on Impact again and then fight the Outsiders at Final Resolution? No, because then the Outsiders are just going to squash them. I think it'd be too soon to do that. They were promised that they get to fight the Outsiders for the titles and then beat them. That's what I want to happen. They would beat them the first match? I don't know. Storm with a hot tag. Clean house with the right hands. Chains are going nuts. Knocks down Shane by his hair. Kazarian's like, I'm not leaving the corner. Power slam by Storm. One, two, but no. Kazarian kicks out. Hammer away on Michael Shane. Going for a scoop slam. No. Shane with a counter. Collides with Kazarian in the corner. Shane or uh, Storm's got to roll up. Shane rolls through. He's got the tights. But he cannot get it. Storm kicks out at two. Kazarian with the blockbuster. Who is this? Buff Bagwell? I can't believe this. Chris Harris is on the top rope. Flying crossbody like he's Ricky Steamboat. But Michael Shane clothesline him like he's JBL. JBL. He's going to come out in the limo and everything. He's going for a super kick. Watch out. Extreme domination. Is that what they just said? Oh, yeah. The, the leg sweep super kick combo, I think. Yeah. Yeah, spine buster by uh, Harris. He's calling for the death sentence. sentence yeah. They're saying they don't know if Wildcat Chris Harris can do it. Looks like he's doing it no problem there, Don. And he hits it on Kazarian. That was a good match. Yeah, that was good. 
I just I feel like I would have sold the injuries more and have them lose. I don't know. I'm I'm a bad I think I'm a bad booker. Well you have a good Monty Brown idea and a bad tag team idea, that's fine. They all can't be winners. Lance, let me know. Do you think it would be a good idea if I had if to have AMW lose? Jordan, let me know. Make me feel better about myself. See for yourself why WWE threatened to sue TNA over this footage. Here's the thing, Dallas. They're saying see the footage. You're showing it. Yeah, (laughs) they're showing kind of the whole thing here. Yeah, there's like not even it's not even stills or anything. You're literally showing it. You're fired. (laughs) Oh, oh, I thought that was a different thing. No, here's footage from uh, Impact last week on the third where Jeff Jarrett. Delivered a guitar shot, the stroke. Monty Brown's like, you can't keep me down. Pounced him. Not the greatest pounce, though. Kind of no. Sideswiped him there. Chair shot. Another chair shot over the head. And they don't show the pin, which is fine. Alpha Malice at the center are they, of Genesis. Are they teasing the title match right now, you think? Hmm. For the pay-per-view? I don't know. This is definitely hyping up some Monty Brown stuff here. That was kind of weird. And it just ended. Yeah. And oh, I see. Bill Birdie, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Dude, if Trinity's actually done, I'm bummed. Well, you know, I, I think it's just bizarre that. Okay. I can understand to an extent where Tina's coming from. It's a week out, and you're from a paper unad- unadvertised six person tag. By the way, it wasn't even advertised, right? But you know, she's got an opportunity to be a stunt of on a movie, which is arguably her career choice more so than wrestling. And you're gonna punish her and be like, "Well, then we just won't use her anymore." Yeah, I think that's kind of shitty. Yeah, I agree. Uh, here comes the alpha male, Monty Brown. His ribs, His are, ribs are taped. Yep. He was not in the cage match, in case you're wondering. Uh, I mean, I guess I can kind of give you the the note I have. It's not really about him, but it's kind of related to the match you just had at Turning Point here. Um, it's about, actually, uh, Jim Mitchell and Abyss. You're wondering, well, we kind of talked about the idea there. Oh, Gobertia running right after him. Well, apparently the plan for Jim Mitchell and Abyss, uh, which appears to be out the window again, so apparently that's not happening anymore. Uh, it was, it, yeah, it was for Mitchell to play the role of a 60s circus carnival barker with a top hat and cane. Oh, my God. And he was going to have a booth. Oh, shit, the pounce. Oh, my God. We're 20 seconds in. You just Wait, pounced I'm stopping. Back? I'm stopping. Is he about to just win? That's fantastic. Okay, that was good. Okay, wow. I would have waited if I knew. Crowd's going nuts because of how fast that just was. That was like 20 seconds. Uh, yeah. Nice pounce, too. The crowd definitely likes Monty Brown. Even if they're being told to cheer, they're still cheering. Wow. That's good. Okay. Well, that happened. Oh. Mike Tenney's with the alpha male. Hold on. I'll continue my note in a minute, guys. Let's see. One week ago, they're bringing up the title match. 
Mug tonight. You know that coming close isn't good enough. Now, Jeff Jarrett, you know who the alpha male is now. He's talking about cracked ribs. Hitting the bricks. Hit with stones. Took a guitar shot. He took the stroke, and he's still standing. I will not be stopped, Jeff Jarrett. I don't like that they're playing his music in the background behind him talking. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're uh, not just, like, fading out on me. Oh, he's just talking about Scott Hall and shit, too, dude. Maybe you're onto something. See? Kevin Nash, look, telling him to kiss his ass or whatever. Just animals on the endangered species list. It's his destiny. Somebody will get the pounds. Period. Period. Wow. Dude. Is he going to fight him in final resolution? I mean, it certainly would appear that, uh, that he might be the next next man up. Yeah, we'll see. Um, here, we got a, a video again about Final Resolution. So let me finish this. So they want the circus guy for Jim Mitchell, and he's going to have a booth that says, The Monster Abyss, all chained up behind the curtain. Now, the idea was silly enough to promote as the new heel in the 80s for Hulk Hogan, but it's pretty uh, ludicrous for a character who has been a regular part of a TV show for two years that was largely, largely the consensus uh, among people. Uh, who saw the top hat, was uh, told to buy that he was essentially looked too campy. Uh, Mitchell told people that he couldn't understand why he couldn't just uh, manage Abyss as himself. Yeah. So, Well, at the um, last taping with Rhodes uh, having taken over as Booker, Mitchell was told that there was no plans for him. He wasn't happy since he took a day off of work to come to the taping, and he didn't get paid since he wasn't used. So once again, the angle appears that it may have already been dropped. Reading all these quotes on screen now, too. Far better than anything WWE has done in years. I missed the other quotes because I was reading, but... Was something about, like, they kicked ass. And... The most extreme move I've ever seen. Log on to TNAWrestling.com for the complete replay schedule. Uh-oh, here comes Jarrett. So, Bob, what do you think? Do you think Jim Mitchell should be a carnival guy and Abyss is chained up in a booth? No. No, me either, but I could definitely see it happening. I mean, I could see it happening too, but just uh, there's no reason to make it anything other than what it is or should be. This is Father James Mitchell. Sinister minister, whatever you want to call him. Jeff Jarrett is coming out here alone. No kings of wrestling by his side. He's not in uh, wrestling gear. 
and he's probably just going to come out here and chat. Tizzini's mentioning it. I was wondering if maybe them showing Kevin Nash and Scott Hall separately without him right now was maybe like a, they're going to, they're kind of hinting at them just being a, like going to do tag team stuff and Jarrett being singles heavyweight guy again. So they're not doing like a three way, but. I, I would imagine they're a stable. Well, yeah, but like showing them separate to be like, this is the tag team. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jarrett with the pyro out of the guitar is stupid as shit. I hate that. Uh, by the way, that was my final note of today's show. Uh, so. Wow, 20 minutes is good. I know. What am I going to do? You know, as I stand here, he's wearing his chosen one glasses, the orange frames. Or orange lenses. Is he going to shit on Savage? He's got one thing to say. I'm still king of the mountain. Planet Jar is still the biggest thing in the TNA universe. And he's still the champion. Oh, tonight, shut up. He goes, can't be denied. Every second of every hour of every day. You've hated that I'm the and for everything. And that's true. Hulk Hogan. Sting. DJ Styles. No mention of Savage. He's pinned all their shoulders to the mat. What a checklist. Or he just ran them out of the company. Five weeks away after today. Wow. That's so crazy. Sure, it sucks, Janet. I mean, I will say, he does get heat. No, he does. Not many people can do it better. He's got a question for everyone. Who is there left to face the king of the mountain? Nobody's left. He said no one. Nobody's worthy. You know, you're already modest. Do the that. <laughs> Give me another shot, Jeff. God, don't give him ideas. Oh, he's going to give him give us some news that we can choke on. Here we go. Many savages left. Choke on this, okay? Okay, give it to us. This is going forever. Try to drag it out. He hopes the championship committee is listening. Tenet goes, that's Dusty Rhodes. Oh, shit. He said final resolution. He's not defending his title. There's not a contract he has to defend it. And also, Dusty's coming out. Hold that, hold that, hold that. Okay, Dusty's out here now. 
TNA is his world, and you better back out of it. Defend against Dusty. Bunkhouse, bro. We just held the greatest pay-per-view in this industry's history. I don't have to back off of it. Cuts Jared off. Shut up! If January 16th on final resolution. What? Oh. Dusty says he's got a contract that Russo and Jared both sign. Why would Russo sign something for January? Oh, just... oh shut up. When I get a call in a few days, the whole world will know who you will wrestle at final resolution. Don't make me come down there as old as I am to whip your ass. So we're waiting on a phone call. No mention of Randy Savage at all in that promo. Zero. I'd like to point out, I don't even know if many of the, uh, I don't think any of these highlight videos have really been showing him either, are they? Mm -mm. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see. Well, here, we'll find out here in this video package. The same one they've shown uh, at least two other times, I think. Nope, this is still a six-man. There's some thumbtacks. I like the crowd chat. They go show the slam, and then it just goes right to the crowd. Jacqueline. Skipper walking cage. And there's Jarrett. Nothing. Nothing. Just shows the kings of wrestling. This year, my resolution is to become a better musician. To improve my table manners. To climb the corporate ladder. To lend a shoulder to a friend in need. Our resolution. <laughs> Chine Wrestling presents Final Resolution. That's Tracy. What's your resolution? So, in some oh, so uh, highlights of the DDP Raven match, full video footage. I was going to say, not stills. That's, That's weird. Eric Watskin involved. Are they going to pause it when he goes to clothesline DDP? No. <laughs> okay, so we don't have to watch the replay for this match. Yeah. Which was, it's... again, rendered useless because he gets diamond covered. Dude, yeah, he literally did nothing. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. Speaking of, now he's got security all around him. He's backstage walking in. Shane Douglas grabs him. Great match between you guys and DDP goes, yeah, it was, wasn't it? What else do you expect from someone like me and Raven? Ask him about Eric Watts? 
Wait, Raven's here. Don't make me kick your teeth down your throat again. Raven tells him to settle down. He looks in his eyes. He's like, you don't know, do you? You're willing to forgive the unforgivable. He said, you don't know about the thing. Interesting. He goes, is there anyone that knows how to stir the pot better than Raven? Ridiculous. So Raven was just teasing something else with Eric Watts that DDP doesn't know. Oh, here's the here's the quote video again. The fans have spoken about turning point. It's interesting to note that in the cage match uh, videos, they're showing it in like sepia tone. Yeah. The greatest cage match I've ever seen. And that's because of the blood, by the way, if you didn't pick up on that. Or to the replay, it kicked money signed ampersand. Looking that ass. I don't know, dude. Well, <laughs> oh, there wasn't too many other things. And also that quote, I think, was that it was like five stars or something. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And then better than WWE, anything WWE's done in years. Uh, if you guys are following along, by the way, we're at 39-39. Or if you're about 12 minutes, 13 seconds left in the show. That's right. We still got our main event, Hector Garza, AJ Styles. That should be a good match. Yeah. Okay, lots of oh, ordering the replay. Nuts. Quite a bit. We came by to say hi to them. They want to threaten to sue us. <laughs> You're fired. Oh, here's Eric Watts. What the work. heck? So he just hugged Raven, yep, and he's like, I'm talking to Paige. You talking to the diamond dip, the hard head? He's, he's telling Eric Watts that DDP still disrespecting him. Okay, I'm cool with that. Now you got to bring up the diamond dip. He's saying, yeah, you're right. There's no respect. Let me say this. He will feel the bang, the respect, because I can. He said he's going to get the respect. Raven just keeps saying, you're going to have to hurt him, man. You're going to have to hurt him. <laughs> what the heck? Hurt him. Is he going to hurt him tonight? Raven's yeah, saying, you're going to pay, Paige. You're going to pay. It's really interesting, though, that you say that because DDP's walking into the show and it's almost over. Well, here, well, he was walking and he met up with Nash and Hall and then he was walking back in again? I don't understand. Okay, so we're getting a bilingual 
uh, announced team right now. Mike Tanay, and I missed this guy's name. Melendez is his last name, I believe I heard. Part of the Spanish announced team. Moody Jack. Wow. Okay, so Don was not on the call for this main event, it seems. Hector Garza, captain of Team Mexico. I'm not sure I brag about that. Okay, so I'm only going to be able to hear part of what they say because I do not speak Spanish. Bob, Bob does a little bit, though, so. I don't. Oh. No, absolutely. Oh, they're saying there's some stakes to this, Bob. Which they'll talk about in a minute. What is it, though? I need to know now. What? The only Triple Crown winner in TNA history. If Ron Killings were to win the X Division Championship, he would be the second. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, oh man. shit. The winner of this faces Jeff Jarrett next week. What the? Okay, wow. so whoever wins also is going to move up a lot in the X Division and Heavyweight title rankings. Okay. So is AJ going to win? This is a 15-minute time limit, by the way. For the, the oh, wow. Wait, that's so different, too. And now it's going again. So it was at 15. Is it because it's the number one contender? Or is the main event always 15? No, dude, it's not. Did they say it was for the title against Jarrett, or they're just fighting? Uh, they're just saying that they're going to wrestle. Mm. Okay. And they would wrestle Jeff Jarrett, and then they would also move up in the ranks of the NWA World Title and X Division Championship. Flip like a Styles. Styles goes down. and it, Oh, arm drag. Oh, another arm drag, but that one's from, from Styles. And, oh, he goes to another one, but Hector Garza counters. Garza is significantly larger than Styles, mind you. Uh, yes. I mean, Garza appears that he should be in the heavyweight division anyways. Oh, Styles just kind of threw him out of the ring. Styles. Slingshot crossbody. He hit the crossbody. Moody Jack, we're taking a break. And we're getting another order of the replay, just for the record. So if you guys haven't done it yet, I'm going to say, go listen to our last episode. And hey, if you enjoy our episodes, follow us on, on the social media pages at CrossTheLineTNA over on uh, Twitter. Uh, also, you can search our YouTube that way as well, I believe. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at TNA Cross the Line Pod. You can uh, follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you really like us, and we know that you do if you keep listening... Leave us a review wherever you listen to that podcast. Oh, and I forgot. We can't forget. ProWrestlingTees.com slash TNA. Buy a shirt. It's pretty cool. Bob wore it to Bound for Glory, and he got so many compliments. Like, yo, does that look? That looks like the sex shirt. And we were like, yeah, it does. Yeah, we can pretend that happened. It did. The girls, the screaming girls liked it. 
Okay, so we're back, and Styles has control. It looked like he was trying to go for a Styles Clash, but Garz is countering. Oh, almost like a monkey flip over the top rope. Also, it was demanded. There's a 15-minute time limit in this one. Oh. Oh. Baseball slide. Both guys are down on the floor. And Hector Garza throws Styles back into the ring. Ooh, kicks it. <laughs> Moody Jack is correcting Tanae on the how he's saying moves because they're Spanish names. Styles dumps Garza to the apron. His forearm goes to the top rope, does Garza. A clean shaven Garza. Whoa. Who does he think? Sammy Guevara? I know. i never seen Garza do that. Impressive. Slam Styles down. Goes for a cover. Nope. Rudy, come on. That was three almost, maybe. Talking about Garza holding championship belts all over the world. Marrow special. Surfboard. Nice surfboard stretch. Oh. Oh, shit. He, did, he, like, stood up, did it again. Fucking brutal. Look, oh, my God. He's, oh, my God. Look at this. That's got to be absolutely just torture. Wait, is that? No, oh, that's kind of a cover, but whatever. We just hit the nine minute left in the match mark here. Interesting bilingual uh, um, call oh. here. Garza went for a moonsault, but Styles got his knees up. Off the second rope, by the way. Rod seems to be uh, in favor of AJ. I mean, AJ Jarrett on an impact would be pretty strong here. First uh, DDT springboard there. One, two, Garza kicks out at two. Avoided the three count there, and they're both on their feet. Oh, Garza. That was a right hand. Oh. Oh, slams him down face first. Goes for a cover. Two. It's a kick out of two. Who's going to fight Jeff Jarrett next week? Do we have a potential contender in our ranks? Or is Jarrett going to come out and just ruin it? Oh, God. Jarrett's... Definitely coming out and using a guitar. If we don't get a guitar shot, what is it? Ooh. Styles went off the top, hit a get hit with a drop kick. As Tanae says, this is the first ever in wrestling history bilingual uh, call in a match. Is that true? I thought Conan was on commentary one time when uh, Jerry Lynn was fighting other people that Conan brought in. Yeah, but was he st speaking strictly Spanish? Is Moody Jack? Yeah. 
He's not said a word of English. Not that I've heard. I'm I'm wondering. Oh, I guess he is strictly screaming. I'm wondering if he's they're kind of almost translating for each other. Like, is Tanae just kind of just doing? I don't know. Phenomenal one just caught the sensational one. AJ climbing up. Garza is groggy here on the top. Oh, superplex from the top. Yep, he hit it. Wait a second. Who just got pinned? They just like caught it. Oh. Garza countered the superplex and pinned Styles on the landing. Look at Styles. Styles saying that his shoulder was up. Well, AJ, it wasn't. So now next week is going to be Hector Garza against Jeff Jarrett. Wow, dude. Wait, okay, let's see the replay here. Oh, don't okay. freeze. Why did it stop? Why does it freeze? Okay, we all ready? They went. Boom, went for the cover. Garza's shoulder was up. Yeah, but I think AJ's was as well. I don't know, dude. Well, I think his... His left shoulder, they didn't look at that side of it. Well, we got a standoff. Siles looks pissed, and... He's probably going to shake his hand. That's really no Jarrett to end our show. Well, I'll give him credit. Hector Garza against Jeff Jarrett certainly is something different. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, And yeah, we just went off the air. Bob, what'd you think? Um, I'm gonna say that was a that was good that was a, that was a fine show good show yeah I think it was good I don't really have anything to complain about we can't really bitch too much about all the the replay ads I think no. that's just you know that's how they do their TV and without the commercials it seems more excessive than it probably feels when you're just watching it yeah. um yeah I thought it was fine um we we saw Daniels get his a little bit of a singles uh, uh high spotlight there. America's Most Wanted and Michael Shane Kazarian had a, a pretty good tag team match. I really enjoyed the 22nd Gilberti squash with Monty Brown. Yeah. And the main event was fun. So, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good show as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said uh, before, it's going to be an interesting potential or uh, interesting match with uh, Jared and Garza. Um, Styles clash, I think they're a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much uh, of uh, Garza's offense Jared is going to be wanting to uh, take there. but Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, actually. Yeah. And then where's it going to lead? Probably nowhere, realistically, but yeah. especially with the potential that DDP is kind of teasing. They're teasing the outsiders and uh, DDP kind of getting in each other's way, which is, I feel like, just a hint of him getting to Jarrett. And then uh, Monty Brown's very clearly like, I'm going to fight you soon. So we definitely are working up a couple different things. Even Team Canada, Bob, was like, better watch out. We need the NWA title. And that leaves Johnny Devine for Jeff Jarrett, which is quite interesting. So <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see what happens as we, as we kind of move forward here. <coughs> yeah. Uh, next week, we'll maybe get some answers in regards to uh, Eric Watts and DDP and 
Yeah, the Eric Watts thing's kind of weird. But what DDP, I guess, doesn't know. I don't know. And then uh, maybe we'll get more of an answer in regards to what uh, Dusty Rhodes has in, in store for Jeff Jarrett at Final Resolution. So That's right. Plenty of questions still to be answered. Uh, Dallas, yes, you got anything else for uh, this week's episode? I don't think so, man. Uh, we covered a lot. And uh, next week's show should be pretty interesting. So I uh, hope you guys are ready for some fun backstage news and notes. Yeah, I'm always looking forward to more drama. Oh, um, we're always there. Yeah. Uh, all right, join us next week for the December 17th edition of Impact. We are five weeks away before we get to final resolution. Until next week, for Dallas Greeley, I am Bob Kine Jr., and this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast. We find the defendants guilty.